embark on a journey into the unknown, where two or more are gathered to discuss what you are afraid of. This is Nigel the Goat speaking, along with your host, Davey Wavy, and we welcome you to the Red Pill Cartel Podcast, where crazy feels like home. Cartel Davey coming back at you with episode 133 of the Red Pill Cartel podcast. I have an awesome band from Toronto called Star Beast on. Uh, they were very kind enough to give me some of their time while they were in the studio today. And uh, it was very surreal speaking to uh, one of my favorite singer-songwriters from the 90s when I was a teenager... Uh, from the band Glue Leg, and now they have him and the, the bassist Chowder, uh, and Ken the drummer, and uh, Anthony Lombardi on the keys and uh, guitar. They were kind enough to give me some of their time today while they were in the studio, and uh, it was very surreal for me. It's a, it was a huge treat for me. So I thank the guys once again from Starbeast. Um, the first track I'm going to play you by them is called The Sea. Uh, really cool song. Really cool. The whole album is amazing. It's only 27 minutes long. So, uh, yeah, uh, go into the show notes and uh, figure out where you can find them and download their album or purchase it on Bandcamp or whatever. It's an awesome album and this is a real treat for me, guys. So, kick back, smoke a couple dupes, drink a couple beers, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's The Sea by Starbeast. And the second song I will play you is called When We Hit the Coast After the Interview. Thank you, Cartel, and keep rocking. So 
Welcome back to another episode of the Red Pill Cartel Podcast. I have a fucking awesome band here called Star Beast. Um, you guys want to go around the horn and introduce yourselves here? I'm uh, Tony Lombardi, rhythm guitars and keys. I'm a chowder, bass guitar. Ken, drummer. Ruben, guitar and vocals. Awesome. So give us a little background on uh, how this band uh, came to be conceived so to speak uh during covid my son started learning to play guitar and uh, he was listening to a lot of stoner metal bands and uh basically said hey dad write songs like this and so i did not thinking anything would come out of it and recorded them with ken and just started putting them online and just the reaction we got was kind of overwhelming so you know what we gotta start a band so that's where it came from that direction um there's rules you gotta tune your guitar a certain way you know, the, the tempos have to be kind of slow, even though we broke some of those rules. Um, <laughs> and certain types of distortion. Let's start with R and end with AT. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what created the sound. And you know, I'm a pop writer by nature. Yeah. So right. writing in the, that context is a lot of fun. And these guys bringing their talent to it is is like a joy. So it's just been a a love fest putting this together. That's awesome. Uh, how did you guys all get together? I know Chowder, your background, uh, but Anthony and Ken, not so much. Well, Ruben and I met years and years ago through a a different project called um, Sir Jerry. They needed a drummer. They called me up. I got in. Then Ruben and I started working on some tunes of a different band that went for a little while. And then again, COVID hit. Everything kind of died. This project started. He called me up again and said, "Hey, you want to play?" I'm like, hey, "Yeah." So here we are. And then that's awesome. I knew Tony from work. Okay. And Ruben was like, "Hey, let's put a band together." And so I was like, "You work? You actually work with uh, a friend of mine who plays bass?" And he was saying we needed a guitar player, maybe key player. So we kind of forced him into it. <laughs> <laughs> Having not played uh, guitar on stage at that point for some 16 years, give or take. Yeah. I'm like, you sure, man? It's been a while. <laughs> and here Actually, um, I don't know if you guys know, I had a uh, an interview with Len Lamana from uh, Frail Fragment. And uh, Tony, he was talking about how he has background with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but back in the day, he was in the old band, Sleep Behind the Flame. Uh, he was nice enough to put us on a few of his bills, and uh, yeah, we met we met that way. We played a bunch of shows, became good friends, uh, kept in contact. <laughs> Years later, here we are with Starbeast, <laughs> playing shows again. That's sweet, dude. Um, yeah, man. I don't know if you guys know if Tony told you, but I I had met up with him at uh, I Mother Earth and Tea Party. He just comes up to me. He's like, "Are you Dave?" <laughs> I was like, holy shit. There's the beard, man. I'm like, that beard looks familiar. It's gotta be. <laughs> yeah, that was, was a great time. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so uh where to where to go now? Um so you guys are working on a new album, right? Yeah. Um how far into that are you? Well, we're far. We got like 14 new songs. We're just cutting the rhythm guitars and, and keys on it now. A couple of bass tracks as well. It's it's fun. It's just like, uh, it's fun just doing music because you love doing it. You know, I don't right. have any ulterior motives. We don't, but because 
you know, in, in the day, everybody's thinking of clever ways to promote their music, and it's all about weird marketing and shit. We don't give a shit. <laughs> we, we're just doing this for the fun, man. And I think it shows, you know, the, the music kind of radiates. People like it. It's like we're the traveling Wilburys or something, you know. <laughs> no, I like I like it, like especially the intro track for for the first album, where it's like, we're gonna come to your town. We're not gonna let you down, right? It's like it's like one of those things where it's like it feels like you're you're here to like kind of step in and take over but you don't really have that attitude though right a hundred percent yeah yeah initially the reaction was so positive that it was like oh oh like kind of stumbled on a sound you know it's not like any of us are geniuses we're a bunch of idiots right we kind of stumbled on a sound um big fuzzed out guitars crazy you know solos are always with a half wah on (laughs) right with a chorus battle right you have to dad do this okay okay so <laughs> taking directions from your son yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's much. true that's true yeah. play big dumb drum beats oh okay don't get fancy okay Again. <laughs> i can do this <laughs> big old power chord <laughs> no it's like it's a it's a fun wall of noise and then yeah totally it's totally. in and no, like I, I've, I've listened to the album like I don't, I can't even tell you how many times. It's probably gonna show up on my um, Spotify Wrapped for sure. <laughs> nice, nice. Thank you, thank you, yeah, thank you exactly. very much. Yeah, no, yeah dude, I love it. I love it. It's just, it's, it's like, it, it suits any mood too. Like while I'm gaming or while I'm in the car, whatever. It's just, it's just like hard rocking, fucking easy to listen to uh awesome fucking tunes man like um like i told you ruben when we met um when we hit the coast it's just like that like that baseline a chowder like the it's like it just fucking gets me every time um what what about the your choice for the artwork in the videos ruben how did that become come about those were kind of early. Um, <laughs> frankly, they came out of necessity, right? Because it's COVID. You can't do a lot of getting together and filming a music video. So right. I, I just researched uh, public domain vintage films because I love them. I love all these old kooky horror movies. Um, and one came up called The Terror from 1963. And from some fluky legal reason, it was free. So I just, all right, hey, look, it's Jack Nicholson. And I, I could edit it in a way that it told a story which is interesting, right? Because, you know, you're just chopping pictures together. You want there to be a bit of a story to the video. And you got like two hours of materials. So those videos came about from that. Uh, the one with uh, the last man on earth, you know, black and white zombie flick, you know, from 19. 19- yeah. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's cool. So the aesthetic is something I love, but it was also a matter of convenience because, you know, what do you do? You know, you want to make a video, but... And in some strange way, shape, or form, it actually suits the music too. Yeah. <laughs> Walking outside, rainbow colored life, dead zombies everywhere. Like, <laughs> that's what you want. <laughs> you're an old, so you're an old horror fan, right? Yeah. I, I write into like eight millimeter film enthusiasts. So I, I've got, got I've hoarded cameras for years to a point where I, I should get mental help. You know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I I would assume that uh, you creating music helps you with your mental health. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it definitely promotes it. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you gotta you gotta have it like uh you know a balance in your life where you can be free to be creative. I find I just kind of lose my head if I can't do it. Yeah, for sure. I read this book once called uh The War of Art. Yeah. So it's like the art of war in reverse. Uh and it's basically like daily affirmations where basically if you're not using your creative abilities and you're slowly killing yourself on the inside. Yeah, you got it. Um, like we all have day jobs, we all work, but we do it exactly. in, a, in a context of, of music, right? Which is why I think musicians and artists might make good employees, right? Because they're not complaining or whining because they have another thing to do. You know, their, their mind is, you know, not like I identify myself by being a janitor, you know, like, no, you, you also are a musician or an artist or a painter. Right. It's the same thing with me doing a podcast. Like it keeps me like every time I do an episode, it's it's very cathartic and uh, you know therapeutic for me. And a, a lot of podcasters say the same thing. So like when I go into my daily job, like my nine to five, like people are like, "How are you so happy all the time?" And I'm like, "Dude, I, I'm like this is not all that I do, you know, because there's a lot of fucking miserable people on the job, man." Yeah, totally. Um. And the thing is, the job, you can totally handle it, but you got to handle it in context of something broader, right? I, I've been, I had points in my life where I've been a musician full time. That's not good either. Yeah. <laughs> you got to crawl out of your ass too, right? So you, you need that balance. You need pull. You got to climb out of the hamster wheel. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Having a good hobby, whether you're a full time musician and you need something on the side, like a lot of guys I was listening to, uh, like Maynard and those guys, they fish. You know, they go fishing when they're on tour. So that's their side to get out of the hamster wheel of playing in a band. And, you know, for us right now, the, the hamster wheels are nine to five, but soon it won't be. Yeah. Star Beast over Canada. It's coming. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to every show. <laughs> well, Jan 6th, you know that one. Jan 6th, yep, yep. Cute. Oh, yeah. Oh, the insurrection of Star Beast. Hello, Timmons. <laughs> We're here. Short little drive. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> that's the crowd. Uh, yeah, that's Hello, Thunder Bay. Yeah. <laughs> oh joy. Can you can you give us uh can you give us a little bit of an idea of what the uh the next album's gonna sound like? Is it gonna be similar, similar sound? Yeah, it sound very similar. Um, Chowder's bass is going to be a little brighter. Um, uh, Ken's drumming like a mad fool. So where he might have been a bit restrained on the last time, he's unleashed the full gorilla. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, you witnessed half the gorilla at the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, a little more homage to big 90s dumb rock, which, uh, you know, what do you expect? Um, yeah, but otherwise it's similar, just a graduation of, of what you've heard. And very same melodic, low key vocals over raging guitars. It's 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 epic. It's gonna be great. Yeah, awesome. we were actually in the middle of cutting guitar tracks just now. They were like, "Oh, oh we gotta get on. We gotta get on." Yeah. <laughs> how how long do you guys? How much time do you guys have with me? I technically have a one o'clock, but uh, he's always late. I'm at a we're okay. at our music studio right now. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where is where is that? Uh, Roncesville, the Howard location Park. in the basement. <laughs> Roncesville, okay. Yeah, if we told that's like the rich area, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is now. You know, I've lived here for 22 years, so I see. Oh, okay. Going to do this, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I got a great little spot here, and yeah. bands record. 
Yeah. So got a client coming in. He's an old grizzly guy who plays country music and changes his mind about what key it is after I've recorded it every time. Oh, shit. That's annoying as hell. <laughs> oh, change it to A. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll, you know. <laughs> oh, you change it to A before you record it. Yeah, right? Anyway. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a privilege to have a spot like this because it is. we can sit oh, in yeah. here, we can rehearse in here, we can record in here, uh, we can do things that a lot of bands, I mean, a lot more bands could do now than when we started, but uh, it's just, it's really great because could, you know, could we afford to do what we're doing now and recording another album? Yeah, and then go into out of pocket? else's yeah. studio and everything. Yeah. And so easily. Yeah. yeah. Coming before work, coming after work, coming yeah. on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Coming anytime. Yeah, yeah. and then, <laughs> Having a studio goes in line with the whole heat creative thing. The only the studio doesn't make a lot of money; it pays for itself. But I need it just for us to be happy. But you but you have the upper hand now, so like you just like take your time and do whatever it is you want to do in your own time. So that's like instead of going to another studio, paying them X amount of money, and then having a certain amount of time, and you got to kind of rush. Can't take your time with it, you know. Yeah, totally. But also, the people that pay teach Ruben how to do it right for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's working. See, they beat them. They beat them down so much that when we come, we can just you know push them around. Yeah, I'm like a that. carpet. We're doing it. Yeah. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. You <laughs> pour beer on it and whatever. You can puke on it. <laughs> Clean that up, Ruben. Uh, Tony Pierce, my console. Oh well. Oh well. Okay. <laughs> Shut up, Ruben. Just get another one. <laughs> and the studio is called Marmaduke, is it not? Yeah, it's because of the street. It's called Marmaduke. Just off. Okay. Yeah. No cool. relation to the dog. Yeah. No oh, okay. Dog. Nobody was a fan of Marmaduke. I probably was. Basic uh, memory is not a lot. I could not be a fan of a big great Dane lumbers around. Yeah, exactly. Drools on people. No Garfield, he was still cool. Kind of reminds me of you. <laughs> it's true. I have a bass player. I do lumber around and drool, so. You do drool a lot. Yeah. You do like being scratched behind the ear. I do yeah. like being scratched behind the ear. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> By women. By women. Ah, uh, well, yes. I'm, I'm sure my wife will have something to say about that. <laughs> She's a woman, though, so it's okay. <laughs> oh, she's desperate. Yeah. So now, okay. So, are you going to be? Is there like a set? Do you have set dates and like? Do you have like a lot of tour dates coming up, or is it just like a bar here, a bar there? Yeah, we're still really um even growing as our live act because um we've only played like eight shows, you know. So right right now it is a bar here, a bar there. Um, our goal is to land a tour, but we still have to let things ferment to a point where we can go, Hey, look at us. Right. So, yeah. And we're not in a big hurry to fail. Right. We don't want to throw ourselves in people's faces. You know, we just want to let the music do the talking and keep things percolating, you know, have yeah. organically growing instead of like, you know, uh, stepping into a pentagram and slitting a goat's throat and, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're here. <laughs> look at us. Usual stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, here comes Starbeast. They're taking over the world because they jizzed in a pentagram with a goat's blood. <laughs> yeah, shit like that doesn't work unless you can, you know, if you got nothing to back it up with. And so, luckily with us, the music has been resonating, and and we want to let that keep resonating. So yeah, 
we're gonna follow the music as opposed to us going, hey, look at us, you know. Yeah, and what? there's still that word of mouth thing. Like, like I do what I do because I want to get bands like you guys out there and you know get that word of mouth going. And then like I have a couple guys at work that are hooked on your album too. So hopefully that word of mouth spreads like a little fire, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it happens. And then suddenly it's like, hey, check these guys out, you know. But you have to have the music and directions first, you know. Um, one thing I think we're all guilty of is being part of musical acts or bands that are kind of fractured in their sound. You know, they they don't know what they want to be. You know, I'm guilty of that. Right. Um, or they're following the trend, the latest trend. Uh, yeah, yep. they're chasing radio. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're not chasing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Canada. But that's the thing, though. That's the, that's the thing about what this feels like to me, as being the newest member, is that it, it feels honest. And I think that, you know, that comes out of how we play and how we how the writing and, and the recording happens because it's just sort of true to who we are how we play and our personalities and it all just sort of works together and it, you know there's good chemistry i guess is the short answer Definitely. to that do you think uh this band would be a whole different thing if your son ruben didn't uh push you in the direction of stoner rock there wouldn't be a band. or would the band even would the band even exist no no we, we had gotten to the point ruben and i got to the point where he was just doing studio work for whomever and him and I would chat here and there once the uh, old band had died. And if Dexter didn't come along and say, hey, dad, try listen to this, I would probably have never got the call and this would never be where it is. Yeah, like listen to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Listen to wind hand. <laughs> How's he get that tone? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Ken, you were saying you were saying something to me when we met about how uh you were talking about how you're writing stuff under your sheets oh that's ruben yeah 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 yeah. so the, the first album actually the reason why it has that sound is he was doing it in his home and he wanted to keep things quiet so he did the vocals really quiet under sheets so it wouldn't disturb anybody okay it okay just had this texture this sound and uh we ran with it, <laughs> so it was and, and you were you were complaining a little bit how like Ruben, do you have to be so melodic all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when when this first started, the bands he was listening to were were really more of that heavy stoner kind of stuff. And when when we got into what we thought was going to be Doom, everything we listened to that was Doom had very aggressive vocals. There was nothing not not that it wasn't melodic. It wasn't a singing. It was you know aggressive attack on the vocal vocals over the guitars and the drums. And Ruben kind of tried that, but it's like he said, he's a pop writer and we just couldn't, he couldn't do it. And it spawned this new uh, type of sound, which is melodic singing over heavy guitars. Yeah, it's this pillowy vocal. Yeah. Crushing guitar. <laughs> and, and we just said, dude, just embrace it. Like yeah. this, this yeah. is who you are. Just embrace yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. You, it seems it seems like you all come together and gel very well. Yeah, for sure. Just well, by being who you are, yeah, which is very rare. <laughs> we don't step on each other's toes. We let people do what they're. I mean, Chatter, like again, you heard it at the show. He's got a very unique bass sound, which I happen to love personally. And uh, it's not something that you would claim is a doom sound or a stoner metal, mm-hmm. sound, but it works. So, hey, let's ride with it. Yeah, it's a starting place. But... Yeah. It's a... yeah. 
the songs the songs to me don't sound very they're like sludgy and, and doomy sounding but they're kind of like uplifting at, at the same time it's really yeah. strange yeah yeah, right? yeah I, I sort of when i think of what we're doing i think more sludge than doom right. which is like you know it's splitting hairs when you come to genres because they're not far apart but i always associate sludge with more melody and doom with just more growling and, right but the tone but the tonalities and the tunings are similar in both so but yeah it's sort of it's it's serendipitous because i was in a place where i was learning a lot of 70s rock and sabbath and moxie and you know skinner and stuff like that for another band that i'm in and then out of the blue he calls me, he well, doesn't call me, but he sends me a message, he DMs me. And I was like, well, there's a voice from the past. I don't think we talked in 15 years. Yeah, at least, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, and he sent me the music and and I listened to it. And I was like, oh yeah, no, this is exactly where I'm at, you know, for what I'm playing, what I want to play. And it was, so yeah, it worked out perfectly. That's awesome. Totally awesome. And uh, Tony, you came in a bit later, did you not? Uh, I'm the latest I'm the I'm the most recent addition. You're the most recent, yeah. Each yeah. shows these guys have played. I've played one, one. so I still inspired. <laughs> and you got to witness the one show. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. who's who's playing bass on the album then? Me. So, oh, okay. okay. Because it started out as a a COVID project, but there was no band. Right. Um, so it's Ken and me on the first album. Um, now this album, it's all four of us. Um, Tony's handling all the rhythm guitars, so I'm not playing any rhythm guitars. The secret weapon is a Roland JC120, which is not a metal amp, but it is now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a real community effort. And that that's the difference. So the, the first album is like, we're doing this and now we're doing this, but it's growing, you know, with different right. personalities and different ideas. Probably a lot more cohesive and a little bit more creative input from everybody. Yeah. 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 Even, even the older tunes, like when we're playing them live and rehearsing them and stuff, we'll, you know, add in a note here and there just to, you know, sure, give it some, you know, it salt, your... as it were. Yeah. You don't want to sound stale and the same thing, doing the same thing over and over and over again. A lot of bands do that. They'll, they'll, like, I'll hear like my favorite songs for like the past 40 years and then they start playing it live and it sounds almost completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, there's a, there's a balance there somewhere. Yeah. I remember hearing uh, Song Remains the Same for the first time thinking, this blows. <laughs> <laughs> but then it grew on me because I was like, ah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Vocals are cacking out, guitars are out of tune. That's kind of cool. <laughs> the live version. I find uh, Rush does that a lot with their, with their songs. Especially now because, well, Getty Getty's voice isn't hitting those high registers like he used to when he was a kid. Yeah. And he's kind of like not monotone, but like, you know, on a on a level he can sing now. And it just doesn't sound the same, but it still sounds good. Yeah, you gotta reinterpret it. Like Paul McCartney's the same way. Like, you know, now and then is like when the chorus kicks in, it's like, oh, what happened to Beatles harmonies? You know? Right. It's just, he's 80 years old. So what do you expect? You know? <clears throat> Things change. What are, uh, what are some of uh let's go around the table here, Anthony? We'll start with you. Uh some of your main influences in music that wanted you to start playing and being creative. Oh man, that goes way back to just being a kid. Um I mean the old man showing me like you know everything from Beatles to Aerosmith, and just like air guitar in my room is like a 14-year-old kid. I still air guitar <laughs> wherever I go. <laughs> right 
and then uh, from there, you know, growing, I mean, it grew into that new metal scene uh, when it came into like corn and biscuit and all that stuff. But, and then just kind of evolved from there, the older I got. And uh, now it's anything and everything, man. It goes from like uh, your Sons of Anarchy rhythm and blues kind of thing to your heaviest Lamb of God and everything in between, right? Sweet. Like, I'm other tea party. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Drop dead in the center. Uh, for Chatter. me, I, I started uh, the first music. I mean, I grew up in a, in a sort of a, a Christian religious family. So I grew up on, on Christian rock and roll, a band called Resvan. I uh, saw my first concert in 1983. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And uh, then it took a while to buy a guitar. But I really, for all intents and purposes, I grew up on a lot of jazz, a lot of classical, cause thanks to my dad. And there was two albums in the house that were modern albums. Uh, and one was uh, Zeppelin Four, and the other one was uh, Johnny Cash, Live at Folsom Prison. Uh, and All right. they sort of, that sort of, you know, treated me to what I, where I was going. And then it's sort of the same thing as Tony I, I, in the 80s into metal, into early Metallica, lots of Judas Priest, stuff like that. And uh, then went to school found out about funk and what bass players are actually supposed to fucking do and uh, <laughs> learned about pocket and stuff. And, and, uh, and that's what I sort of found where, as far as players concerned, where I sit in the mix, so to speak, and linking up with a drummer and having a nice tight groove uh, to build, you know, to build on then from there. But yeah, like as far as right now, everything, I'm, I'm a country music, you know, I'll listen to Ed Sheeran and Chris Stapleton and, you know, I'll listen to Opeth and I'll listen to Coheed and Cambria and, yeah, Springsteen, everything, everything, all of it, you know, jazz, all of it. I don't care. Whatever happens to come I think on. I think most musicians would say that. Like they would they they have a very eclectic and wide variety of taste in music instead of just like sitting in one genre and that's all they listen to, you know. Because even like a lot of the like there's like black metal musicians out there that say, Oh, I listen to like the Beatles and you know, it's like you it's shit you wouldn't expect. You gotta, you gotta go, you gotta go somewhere from where you come from, right? If you start in rock and roll and you're a player, then what are you gonna do? You're, you know, you're playing the same three chords all the time. Mm -hmm. it you out, it doesn't net you out anything, right? So it's how you evolve, right? You hear different things that you might not have heard in the genre you started off in, I guess, and yeah. say, hey, I'm gonna try that, and you become a better player for it. Yeah. Uh, are you into chowder? Are you into? Um like uh, Les Claypool and stuff like that? Uh, I'm never a big Claypool fan. If, if I was to say there was bass players that I was into, it would be uh, Tim Comerford, uh, Justin Chancellor, and Doug Pinnock. Okay. Uh, so those are the guys that sort of... And that's also nice where the, the, the sort of low and loud and then melodic is the King's X thing. And, and King's I'm, X, yeah. I'm a huge Coheed and Cambria fan. I guess my, uh, my, my man off rose, my wife calls him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually a little reverse of chowders i just i just learned this today whereas he was uh you got into the rock stuff and then the funk stuff i was yeah. the exact opposite my household was motown and funk growing up wow so I, I was like oh my uncle was a drummer i used to watch him play and i was like okay i think i want to do that uh maybe not i think i want to be a bass player because funk was just there so when i went to high school uh, a buddy of mine, we sat down and I said, I wanted to play bass. He said he wanted to play, play bass. He actually pushed me. I landed on the drum set. I'm like, I think I'm going to be playing drums. So that's where that's <laughs> um, 
and I met. Don't put uh, your balls on my drum set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he introduced me to um, Sabbath and uh, Maiden. A little bit of Kiss here and there, and then I got into. I'm actually a lot older than some of these people, so I got into the new wave scene, um, early Japan, and all that kind of thing. And I was like, like, oh, this is this is actually this is where this the music sounded kind of basic, but then when you really listen to it. There was a lot of technical stuff going on. Right. A lot of things to, to learn. Same with the punks groups and everything like that. And then it just kind of grew into I would play whatever I could get my hands on. So that's where I'm at now. Now now I'm playing, I don't know, what is this? Doom esque uh, sludge. It's Starbies. I never yeah, we're playing Star. I'm now I'm playing Starbies. <laughs> learning, always learning. Always learning. So that's good. Awesome. Ruben, you're next. We chipped him out of a piece of stone. <laughs> uh, when I was little, my uncle dropped off a, a box of records. So these classic rock records, like everything you can imagine from the 70s, um, old Beatles records in Zeppelin and Creedence Clearwater Revival and that kind of stuff. And we just played the shit out of those records. And that's where I, I got into the music. I didn't get into being a musician until, like I think, late later, like age 16 or 17. I discovered Black Sabbath, right? And then one of my dads said, Dad, why didn't you ever tell me about Black Sabbath? It's a most Is there up the devil, Ruben? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, over the years, my taste has sort of crystallized between Beatles and Sabbath. And you can kind of hear it now, right? So it's nice that that's sort of come out of the wash and, you know. But as far as listening, I've listened to the crap out of Gordon Lightfoot in the last few years. Like, I, that guy's got some great melodies, you know. I never liked him growing up. But uh, as yeah. I as now, like, I, so I would never reach for a Gordon Lightfoot album and put it on. But I got Gord's Gold, like, playing all day. Like, <laughs> give me that big sort of sexy look in the, in the album. That's the, beauty, that's the beauty of art, though. Like, it's it's a timeless thing. It's it's eternal. Once, you, once it's created, it's there forever. So you can always go back to it if, like... Like, I find myself always, like, going back to stuff that I didn't like when I was a kid, but I like it now. So yeah, that's yeah, the beauty yeah. of it, man. Yeah. And, like, people are like, dude, you still listen to this band? I'm like, yeah, of course. It's there, you know, <laughs> and it's fucking good. Well, the cool so thing, why too, not? you're listening to all this older stuff with different ears. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I go back and listen, and I'm like, I never heard that. I didn't understand it back then. Now I'm, like, learning from it. So there, it, there is one exception. Def Leppard. Hated them then. Hate them now. And I'll continue to hate them in the future. Hello, Def Leppard? Yes. No, yeah, take yeah, sorry. Tour. sorry, what? Sorry, lawyers? What? <laughs> oh, it's just so cheesy. Pussy. Like, oh, shut up. <laughs> when I was a teenager, like, I, that, it sounded bad then. Like, wow, this is the worst thing. Yeah. Right. I'll disagree, because I think Paranoia and High and Dry are not bad albums. Okay, rock, rock. I, I, I like oh, those yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like early crew. You can argue, argue about Motley Crue through the '80s all you want, but Too Fast for Love and Shout at the Devil—they're just fucking good punk records. Like yeah, they're, they're punk records. They're punk records that talk about drinking and girls as opposed to rebellion, but they're just punk records. Looks that kill. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> Maybe we should cover it, cover it in C. <laughs> slow it down. Have you slow it down. Yeah. You got the looks I kill. <laughs> doing yeah, doing lounge uh, sludge. <laughs> you guys ever heard of Richard Cheese? 
that's the guy that takes all the he does the lounge acts, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So his first album was called Lounge Against the Machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everything's on the way you just did. Yeah. So so funny, man. <laughs> that guy's still touring too. Lounge got a gimmick. People yeah. love that kind of shit, right? Yep. They want to see something different, but they want it to be familiar. And a guy like that turns it on its head. Yeah, you know, for sure. So awesome. Um, oh, so inevitably, I'm going to bring up Glue Leg. <laughs> Ruben's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing, the thing I love about Glue Leg uh, is that not one, not any one song sounds the same throughout the entire album catalog. Uh, it at the time when I discovered Glue Leg, I was a huge Faith No More slash Mr. Bungle fan, and Mr. Bungle and Faith No More both bands that did similar stuff with all crazy instrumentation all over the map, and that's the kind of music that I like really enjoy. Uh, Ruben. Around that time, and Chowder, what were you guys into? Were you were you the proggy guys or not really? I think Ruben, you told me that you weren't really proggy. Yeah, Glue Leg started in high school, um, and evolved out of a high school band. Um, and the super proggy guys were were Carlos and, and Chris. Um, they loved all the fancy time changes and stuff. I was not. I was more straight ahead rock. Um, right. So thought it was too straight ahead rock. Um, and like what you're saying in the, in the sense that a lot of the songs sounded completely different. That's a blessing and a curse. You know, I often Ooh. felt like Blue was not focused. You know, um, other bands around us were being handpicked for superstardom. You know, we, we got kind of dragged along, but mostly against our music rather than because the music was so you know stellar in a, in a Broadway, right? So, you know, I think Blue Lake got a new record coming out with the, you know, the Prog guys, and, and that's cool. Yeah. You know, there's it's always been a band that's had like rotating cast, and that's completely fine. Um, so I don't know. I I think that we're just having so much fun with Starbeast, and, and it's just so focused and great that I look back at that stuff and think, I just see, I just hear all the missed opportunities, the, the the directions going like this, like you're saying, which you can like, but it's a it's not really a mainstream thing, you know. You can't. You're attracting musicians, which Blue Lake stands for mostly musicians. <laughs> so, right, right. Our collecting this was our calling card as well. So, and and we were also a victim to what our market was. Canada just doesn't absorb a band like that. Whereas you look mm -hmm. at the primacy, Mr. Bungle, and, and you know, and bands like that, and they have a much bigger market to play it, so they can play to a smaller room, but play it all over the United States. Whereas in Canada, you do 20 days and you're done. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the curse of being a successful, a successful in air quotes Canadian band because you know you look at bands like the Tea Party and, and I Mother Earth, who who do very very well in Canada, but you know they they do a couple of weeks and they're they're there's nowhere else to play. And, right. Uh, sort of that was sort of the challenge that we faced. We really needed to go to the states. It never really happened for us. Uh, and yeah, that's just what it is. And I think you know the the really the byproduct of all of this is is now you got two very different bands from the same source that are do two things that are really interesting and you get two cool bands out of it. So yeah, you know, no, I get the best of both worlds here, man. Um, 
I was actually supposed to interview uh, Carlos and Chris uh, a couple days ago, but Carlos had to reschedule till next Thursday. So it's kind of interesting that I get to interview both of you guys, both bands. And it's like, holy shit, like this is kind of like, like surreal for me, you know, as a fan, as a fans of, of, of Ruben and Chowder for like fucking 30 years, man. You know, it's it's wild. Years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, I'm only 32. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> started playing really young. Really young. It was the touch of the God's hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just weird the way the cookie crumbles. I mean, we're all just living our lives and doing our thing. And yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just excited to keep playing music and to have a cool angle and experiment with weird distortions and stuff. And that's a riot, you know. And you got to have fun doing it. Yeah. For sure, yeah, for sure. It's funny too because I was talking to like my coworkers and stuff about what I'm doing and stuff, and my friend was like, "Oh." uh, Blue leg reunion, and I'm like, I don't think so, but you know, <laughs> I, I I think it would be a very strange day on the planet if Blue leg as it is and Star Beast as it is ended up in the same space together. I right, think probably the the space time continuum would collapse in on itself. <laughs> and black hole. They just we're, we're as much as we come from the same place, we're really not alike. Yeah, you know? no, no, I totally agree. I just think it's letting these guys go. So it's <laughs> taking them away from me. That's it. Yeah, and it's happening. No. Yeah, yeah. How did uh how did you guys score Sylvia Massey for Clodhopper? We threw her in the back of a white van. <laughs> I think she was sort of between marriages gigs or and then yeah, it's just our management we managed to get her for a short amount of time for pretty cheap. It's just for practical reasons. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, and uh, that rap rap record was kind of crazy because we, we did tracking in a, in a regular studio on drums, and then we went to another small studio that had a bunch of ADAP machines, like their old VHS cassette-based digital recorders. So it was kind of rough, you know, like linking them all up, and there was a lot of technical problems. Yeah. But uh, I remember it was good Viet. Mimi's food place right around the corner, so yeah. that, that made up more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun experience, though, because it, we we got into the era on two-inch tape, which not a lot of people can say. And, you know, watching Sylvia Massey cut tape and recording in the big room at Metalworks. No, the one up north. Uh, phase one. Phase one. Yeah, recording in the big room at phase one was pretty fucking cool. Like, I yeah. still fondly remember that experience and, and being in that place and Using every microphone and every cable on the drums, and, and yeah. using two. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was, yeah, it's a different. It's again, it's a completely different animal. It was a, it was a different time. There was different money to be spent, um, and yeah, it it allowed us an experience. I mean, these guys didn't get to have, you know, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. It was pretty cool, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Funny though, you walk through those studios like just a few years later, and you you see a huge SSL. And then a laptop on them. None, none of it's getting used, you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a shame, you know. Millions of banks of compressors and Poltex and stuff, you know. And nah, I'm just gonna use my little Pro Tools, you know. Yeah. And that's when it all came crashing down and being devalued. Yeah. But I got a tape recorder over there. Yeah. <laughs> I saw in your uh, IG reels that you're using the uh, the reel to reels. Yeah, it's a fun process. It's 
a lot of people talk about the sonics of using tape. There's not that much difference. Like tape is pretty high fidelity, right? Like if you have a, a dog's ear, maybe you can hear a difference. If you turn it way slow, then you start to get the hiss and the rumble and stuff. But mostly it's a uh, it's process. So if you're a painter, what kind of paints do you use? Do you use oils or, or watercolors? You know, if you're a recording engineer, what do you use? You use Pro Tools or you use a tape? Tape means your band better have their shit together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Did you fix that? No. No. <laughs> no. You can't fix nothing. You know? So that's fun. And as a musician, we like recording on it. We did a bunch of tracks doing simple miking on the drums, um, like Led Zeppelin style, three mics set up. But it just wasn't for us. It wasn't the sound we have is like Sabbath sludge. And you got to use the close mics. So that's why we started re-recording these songs over. And I can send you an advanced copy if you want to have one. But <laughs> you'll hear the drums are just as tubby as they were on the first album. Right. That's awesome. So you're, you're using this like similar uh, techniques for recording for the second album, I guess. Yep. Yeah, we weren't gonna. And then Ken was like, Rube, you know, it sounds kind of vintage lo-fi. And then we realized that if we have to explain it to people why we sound this way, it's not going to work. So yeah. let's just go back to what works. And right. That's where we're at. It's now. like it's like when you tell a joke and then somebody doesn't get the punchline and you have to explain it to them and they still laugh anyway. <laughs> <laughs> or they have that pensive laugh because they don't they still don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> they still don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> why did you Sorry. record the tape? Uh, you know, never mind. Yeah. Man. yeah. yeah. It sounds like oh, no, okay. yeah. Never mind. You don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're that we're that much of an art rock band. No, where that's like we have to record on tape for the integrity of the ages. <laughs> no, we did it, and uh, we decided not to. That's it. I mean, also we could record on tape and still have it sound the way it does now. It's just uh, the type of we had to realize the type of music we're doing isn't conducive to it. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Other bands like Country Axe or whatever, it's way more conducive. It's only eight tracks, right? So you, you know, that's it. You know, I did some. That's math. great. Um, yeah, dude. Um, this has been awesome. I'm gonna keep it short because you guys probably still have work to do. Um, but yeah, tell tell my audience uh, where they can find your music. Uh, at Starbeast Toronto, that's our Instagram page. Um, and any of the big uh, streamers like Spotify, Apple Music. Or any of these places, just look Starbeast Toronto, and you'll you'll find us. Oh, where did you get the name, by the way? I was thinking about the classic, you know, Blind Melon, Def Leppard, who I hate, Led uh, <laughs> Zeppelin, you know, <laughs> you know that kind of uh, Starbeast. Right? Like, that's where it came from. So it just sort of popped in my brain. Learned later that Starbeast was the original title for the Aliens movie franchise. Oh, really? Didn't know that. Oh, no shit. I that's, didn't know that. That's a coincidence. So I, I did not take it from that, but it's a fun fact. Yeah. It's also a book from the 50s uh, about a boy that finds a star beast and befriends it, becomes a pet, and uh, and everybody in the Earth rebels about it. It turns out it's a royal monster from another planet who's escaping his his duties as a king or whatever. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, song about so it right now. It's, yeah, right, now. <laughs> right now. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of layers to the name, kind of like what glue leg. Everybody's like, what's glue leg? And we still don't know, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Carlos, get Carlos and Chris to explain that to you. When you talk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, you know, while well, we were on mushrooms one day, and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
cool, it's man. funny though how Ruben, you got it just popped into your head. It's it's probably like like out of the ether into your brain, and this is what it is now. Yeah, well, I was thinking of was opposites. Like, what's the you know, and then the album covers that way too. There's a tank, and then a twenty twenties. Yeah. Um, we have a trouble with our new album covers. Like, it just hasn't come together as quick. So sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. That's awesome. Well, guys, thank, thank you for you your much. time. It's been a an honor and a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to the future of the band. Excellent, man. Thank you very much. So much. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, peace and much success to you. See you guys. Thank you. Let's face it, who knows where You caught me running past the skyline On my way We had so much to share Happily hitching on the freight lines On our way But when we hit the coast My heart still had to wander I had to let you know
Ah, thank you so very much for once again tuning in to the Red Bill Cartel. This is Nigel the Goat speaking, and we really hope you enjoyed uh, Davy's interview with Star Beast. Uh, he is a little bit obsessed with them. Am I right, Davy? Yeah, you know, it, it, it happens. When I hear a really good band, I just get obsessed. I, I overplay the shit out of their music. Uh, and on this album, there's no skippable tracks. They're all fucking awesome. Uh, 27, 27 minute long album, short and sweet, but powerful. Um, and I super look forward to their next album, and I can't fucking wait to see them again live. And I just wanted to thank you guys again for uh, taking the time to come on here. What are your thoughts, Nigel? You know, Davey, uh, sitting on the back of the truck and uh, sipping on my gruel that you feed me, uh, I could hear how much you enjoyed the album, and, uh, you know, it's it's pretty fucking good, you know, I, I have to say, you know, it's not my usual uh, Mexican uh, electronic music, but, uh, you know, it's good stuff. Thanks, Nigel. I should, uh, I should smoke a joint with you one night and we can sit down and listen to the album together. What do you think? Oh, that sounds like fun time, you know. One time you put that uh, THC oil in my gruel and uh, I was fucked up all night. And uh, yeah, we should listen. We should listen to Star Beast. And I cannot wait for the new album as well. Cool, Nigel. Well, sounds like a, sounds like a plan. When, the, when it comes out, you'll surely know about it. And so will the cartel. Thank you, Davey. And uh, don't forget, people, don't forget to give a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and uh, leave a review, and uh, if you want to be on the show, send us an email or a uh, direct message on uh, the uh, Instagram. Instagram, is that correct, Davey? Yep, Instagram, email, whatever. There's lots of ways to reach out to us, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening again, guys. I I hope you're enjoying these interviews because it's very special to me and uh, how I connected with all these uh, wonderful musicians. Yes, and uh, thank you once again, Cartel, and you know what Nigel always says. 